It's a great day for Tuesday because it's Tuesday. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Today we're talking about a decline in loyalty and confidence and the McLaren that most people listening to this can afford. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and who I be. They stop and stay. I love that. I'll take it. It's true. I'll take it. I mean, I've never wanted a McLaren, but if I did... I, mean, I don't even know if I still want a McLaren. You know, somebody, even if I can afford it. Well, somebody pulled up in a Lambo in this in this little town that's near our house, and you know, the guy got out of it, and everyone's looking at it, and I just kept thinking, like, I don't think I'd ever spend my money on that. Not judging my the people problem. that do. I was just like, I just, I guess once you have enough, I don't know. It just looks so uncomfortable to drive. But I've also never driven well, that, one. My problem is, I'm like, I'm gonna get mad just getting in this thing, <laughs> and that's I'm over it at that. I, I want right? to drive one. I want to drive one. Maybe that's why I don't want one because I've never driven one. I don't know. I don't know. But it's Tuesday, and um, we have a few things to talk about. Number one, uh, our session speaker titles, session titles up at all on the website? Some of them, or not yet? There's like, I'll, we'll call it like forty-eight percent, to be quite exact. Forty-eight point zero. No, I think pretty percent. much all of, all of Monday. Uh, well, probably sixty percent of our Monday sessions are up. The majority of our main stage sessions are up. Anything that's like opening or closing. Uh, so there's a lot more information about yeah, just everything that's going on. Who's going to be speaking with who? We've got some of the panels and moderators lined out. Uh, so you can check out that at. Uh, Asodukan.com forward slash agenda, uh, or just head to the main page, hit agenda, and, and rock on. I'm going to that link right now because I want to read some of these sessions. I don't know where are some of the sessions. Oh, click it on Monday. All right, some of the sessions. We have uh, opening keynote, solving the experience, turning data into great customer experience, the future of dealer ops technology with Steve Greenfield, a new standard for connected data with Andrew Wright, the speed of consolidation, and implications on customer experience with Alan Haig. Uh, we got just Charlie Chesborough and Kyle Mountsier is going to be there. It's amazing. Uh, Jason, Stein, Jason Stein's going to be there. I'm just going to look at all the, the titles. Ben Hadley, Dave Meltzer, Jim McKelvey, and on and on and on. If you haven't got your tickets to a SotoCon yet, um, get them now. I don't know. Are there any industry partner tickets left? I think last night we were at like two. Two? Are Literally. There? Hold on. Let me click right now. There's Uno. one. There is Uno one ticotos. remaining That's ticket. not Spanish for anything. <laughs> But yes, one remaining industry partner ticket. So get in there. If you're an industry partner and you want to go, this is literally, there is one ticket left. And if you're listening to the show live, you have a chance. If you're not listening to it live, you can check, but it probably isn't there. We hope we see you there though. Let's just say that. If you're watching this live stream in this community, we want to see you there. All right. Today we have some news to talk about. Um, There's a thread we usually try to make a thread that goes through the news. And, you know, these days there's a lot of, like, down kind of news to talk about, right? There's a lot of news that, like, if you read the headlines, it might be like, oh, my gosh, this is sad. We should all be sad. But if you're in the automotive industry, you know that that is not the truth. And to quote the great David Long, most of us are just choosing to not participate. <laughs> there you go. All right, there here you. we go. I like that. So uh, a new research from an, from a, a firm I never heard of called Growth from Knowledge, or GFN, new research shows that loyalty to brands, automotive brands, and dealerships continues to slide. Um, basically, it's saying it's declining as paying MSRP or above MSRP is the norm. Get this, 80% of car buyers, um, they paid at or above the sticker price, 80%. 
I was like, okay, okay. And 31% of the people, so almost a third of the people who did, said they would specifically tell others not to go to the dealership they used. And 27% mm. of those, so almost a third said they're going to tell all their friends not to go to the place they bought their car just now. And about a third of them are also said they're not planning on going back to the store for service. That's a little bit of a problem. This is timely because yesterday I was talking with with Michael Cirillo and both of us were posting all over LinkedIn about this thing called Net Promoter Score. Mm. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Explain what Net Promoter Score promoter is. A Net Promoter Score means that, that someone would return or refer someone else to your business, right? So a lot of companies in uh, the late 2000s started moving to net promoter scores as a measure of their business efficiency and retention capacity. And uh, typically it's just a scale. It's just a yes, no answer. Like, would you refer or not? And companies strive for net promoter scores in like the greater than 90% range because you want to make sure that the people you're doing business would also push others and come back to your business. So as an industry, you're like, ah, 31%, not a big deal. But to have less than a 70% net a promoter deal. score is a big deal. That's a huge deal. So net, think yeah. of it, I, it helps me because it took me a while, actually, even as a marketer with a marketing agency, like what net promoter score, net promoter score. Think of it this way. It's, it's like a catch-all metric, right? When it all comes down to it, would you come back? And would you tell your friends to come here? That's it. And 70% is really bad. It's really bad. You can't, you can't run a thriving business on 70%. Get this, it gets a little deeper. 27% of respondents said they would not buy from the same brand. So think Honda, Toyota, Chevy, whatever. If charged over MSRP. And 23% of the people, so almost a quarter of the people said paying over MSRP negatively impact, impacted their opinion of that brand. So if I went and I bought yeah. a Honda and I paid over MSRP, I all, I just start to lean the fact like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I really don't like Honda, which is a problem if you're yep. an OEM. <laughs> That's a definite problem. Now, I've got a couple comments on this before we get to kind of the quote, mm -hmm. um, but uh, because I think there's been a lot of conversation around supply and demand and MSRP and whether or not that's the price that should be listed or not. And whether or not dealers have the, you know, should have the ability to mark vehicles up. And I honestly, I kind of go back and forth. Like Me if too. I was running a dealership, I probably wouldn't go over MSRP. That's just personally how I would do it. But I don't fault those for charging over MSRP, especially those that might have, you know, sold into their pipeline two and three months down the road and they're trying to figure out, hey, am I going to sell this car in Colorado Absolutely. or am I going to sell it locally, right? Like if I'm selling a car in Colorado, I've got to get the value out of that vehicle, you know, more than market, what I might be able to have. Market service, value, right? If you're selling it outside yeah, your market, it's almost like, like why wouldn't you? Well, go and I think value? that this is an interesting thing. You know, when I think about the survey is did they did they only go after local respondents to that right. dealership because right. I know a ton of dealerships that are selling out of their market more than usual because of inventory, you know, issues. So right. I, I, I hesitate to like, I hesitate to take this survey at, at its face value, especially because when you look at like a leading question, like if you got, if the vehicle was priced over MSRP, would you buy somewhere else? I'm like, well, yeah. no, I I would say no to right, ask right. that question. So yeah, but I mean, I want to. They I, have I, to. I want to uh, be very. Yeah, I'm, to I'm say pretty like, confident that 
when why, because I did look at the site. I went to the Growth from Knowledge site and I looked through some of their yeah. other stuff, and it seems pretty credible. Like so, so I, like I, I don't disagree that it is credible. I just think we want to take it with like a measured approach, but also a realistic approach that says, "Hey, look, if all it is is that survey companies are needing to ask these questions." We need to have brand awareness enough to know, like, if someone's asking the question, mm -hmm. there's probably at least a level of issue that we need to be dealing with from a communication perspective, let alone if the questions are asked in such a measured way that the reality of the survey does exist within the culture. Yeah. Then we need to make it take an even more more measured approach yeah, to the way that we're communicating, the way that we're acting as a brand. So that's, a that's the kind of perspective that I want to take on that. Yeah, it's easy, you know, like when you have this conversation and we've had it probably 50 times on live streams right. on podcasts in you know private zoom calls and there are good good business cases for both sides and so it's not like yep. it isn't like to reiterate it's not to pick a side like i think dealers should have the flexibility to run their business because there's so much is required of them like to be liable for all the investments they need to make like in the real estate and the inventory right. and the staffing and all that right if you're liable for that much for that much you should be able to make more of your own business decisions meaning if you want to sell at msrp over msrp market value whatever approach you take um, you should be allowed to have that approach. However, understanding that, like you said, the survey exists because there's a growing sentiment. Actually, it's a sentiment that is now being placed on top of the existing sentiment about auto dealers that isn't beneficial as a whole. And to, to just be aware of this. So here's a quote from uh, Julie Kanar, the senior vice president at the, the GFK. Um, she said, it's not that brands aren't doing anything to you know try to keep pricing um, at MSRP, a lot of brands communicated with their dealers that they are potentially damaging their long-term equity that they've built up in the dealership and built up in the brand. But from a legal perspective, there's not a lot of holdout that brands can do. Um, we're hoping that with releasing this research, we will provide brands and dealers with some data points that is uh, that is not anecdotal, right? So these mm. are actually yep. you know, you know, firm data points of how people are feeling. And so our takeaway is this, whether or not you're charging over MSRP or not, um, I don't know if any, I mean, is there anybody charging under MSRP? I don't know. About I that. actually heard of a dealer the other day that is okay. somewhere in Texas. There's always one. There's where, always but. one. <laughs> so whether you're charging over MSRP or not, being proactive about over delivering on experience is the safe place to be because you know what it's like when you pay a premium, but you have such an amazing experience that the premium doesn't matter anymore. Right. That right. potential exists in every dealership across the country um, to affect this, whether you're charging MSRP or over MSRP or whatever you're doing. If you over deliver on experience, every one of us knows how that feels when we buy something and maybe it's expensive, but the experience is so great. We're like, it was worth it. Right. And then, yeah, so I would say that if you're charging above MSRP and you have zero difference in the way that you are approaching uh, customer experience yes. from when you were charging at or below, not good, then you are making a major mistake with if, when the in the opportunity to both adjust your processes to make sure that in the future you have even better processes, but even just currently is mm -hmm. you should be doing something above and beyond, period. End of story. If you are ch charging above MSRP, like, Give a hat away at minimum, right? <laughs> give, give somebody a hat or something, and not that has the dealer's face on it. Just let's start there. Please, no. A hat that they Oof. actually Tough. want. Speaking of things that people actually want. Stop. Segway. Time. Go with that for a second. Consumer confidence in the housing market 
has actually dropped to a 10-year low. So, so consumer confidence dropped to, uh, to the lowest level since 2011 as both uh, prospective buyers and sellers have become more pessimistic. I wonder why. Well, just 17% of those surveyed in July said that now was a good time to buy a home, down from 20% in June, according to a survey by Fannie Mae. Um, you know, from the article that we cited, even more telling is the share of sellers who think it's a good time to list their homes. That dropped from 67% um, percent from 76%. So people saying like, uh, maybe it's not the best time to list my home. So in this index, yeah. they ask a question from six areas. Uh, they, they survey buying conditions, selling conditions, home price outlook, mortgage rate outlook, job loss concern, and change in household income. So um, here's the, the main point from this, I think, or not the main point, but the key data point. Pre-pandemic, right, going into the pandemic, if you can even remember back that far, the economy was roaring. Okay. Everyone seemed very, very stable, happy, growth trajectory. A lot of people were feeling like it's never been better than this. And 93.7% uh, was the this index. It was 93.7%. That means consumer confidence in the wow. housing market was like, things are good. I can get the house I want. I can get a good price for my house. It was interesting, that balance. Um, and now it's 62%. So it's- uh, You know what's crazy? Just like personal research, and Nashville has been a booming market since literally 2009, right? When I go in and I'm this kind of weird guy that just checks Zillow because I'm, it's fun for me. <laughs> and we mean when Zillow. I go in right now, like on your own home value and seeing what's around. Yeah. Like home oh, value or like uh, houses that are for sale around me and yeah. things like that. And, and, and all the houses that are for sale around me, like the closest 10 houses all have price reductions in the last 10 days. Whoa. There you go. Well, Which is a nuts thing because the majority of the Nashville market sells for for a premium over list price within seven days, typically. And we're seeing houses sit on the market for longer than a week yep. for the first time in a long time and seeing price reduction on those on those houses. So I think that there is a little bit of market correction potentially happening. Yeah. I still I mean, there's still very little inventory, at least in Nashville and I think nationwide. So there, I think it's just kind of like. In my opinion, this is still just like a market adjustment point. Yeah. Um, but there's still an uncertainty approaching large purchases uh, from from the market as a whole. You know, the the index overall showed that um, large scale across the country. Um, obviously, what you just shared shows that this isn't true in your neighborhood. Um, that prices aren't dropping at this point, like large scale. Um, but right. they say both supply is increasing as well as time on market are increasing, which there are big indicators, right? When you have oversupply yep. and things aren't selling fast, people start doing what they're doing in your neighborhood, which is dropping the price a little bit, trying to get people to yep. uh, pay attention. So look, this these last two stories, here's the thread. People fe are feeling a little uncertain about houses and cars, right? So um, they're feeling maybe a little bit put out, a little bit discouraged. So anything you can do to sow some certainty into your process, mm, into your marketing, into your brand, right? It really is just a counterpoint. These stories are telling us people are feeling uncertain certainty about houses and cars. Certainty and empathy. If you are, if you are communicating some level of certainty and some level of empathy at the same time, like that's all people want. Yeah. They, and, they and just a smile. Want, they just want to be seen and a smile. And right? some friendliness. Yeah. I mean, think about, it's like the David Long effect, we'll call it. 
right? When you spend <laughs> time around it. David Long, he didn't do anything to change the macroeconomic <laughs> outlook, right? He didn't do anything right. to change it. But being around him and just understanding his mentality going through it and keeping an attitude of positivity, but not blind positivity, saying, hey, we're not participating in that. We're going to focus on these things we can change and try to make people's lives better as they interact with us that actually the David Long effect takes hold. And you know what? You feel a little more certain and you feel a little more upbeat. You feel a little bit more like, oh, we can get through this. We can find something that works. And if you can manage to find a way that makes your consumers or customers or potential customers or service customers feel like that and provide them certainty, guess what? Your net promoter score, I would guess, is going to go up. I think so. Oh, straight up. Looking for a segue. Looking for a segue. I can't I, find I one. <laughs> don't, I don't have it. Okay, I don't we'll, have it. We're gonna tie back. We're gonna tie back to the very beginning of this episode <laughs> when we talked about McLaren. We're gonna tie back to the speaking of tying things. Segway. <laughs> oh, that's some we, acrobatics we, we just did we right there. We waited long enough. We had it. <laughs> if you wait long enough that's and rough. talk long enough. You can get there. So we said there's a McLaren that just about everyone listening to this podcast can afford or, you know, make happen. McLaren has gotten into the sneaker game, Kyle. I know you're a big sneakerhead, especially when it comes to uh, supercars. <laughs> so through yeah, a collaboration. Sneaker, yeah. <laughs> All my shoes are supercar related. Like I got the Ferrari. I'm just kidding. That's not even true. Uh, I do soccer shoes and Nikes. That's it. There you go. So. Uh, there's a difference. They're well, here's, this thing. is, it's actually a really cool collab. Uh, so McLaren partnered up with APL athletic propulsion labs uh, to unveil a new set of athletic shoes. Um, they, uh, as, as you would expect in true McLaren fashion, uh, made sure that all of the materials being used were made out of very high-class, world-class materials. So the midsole is made out of what they're calling future foam, connected to a carbon fiber plate that runs the length of the shoe, and the midsole gets infused with nitrogen. (laughs) So literally, you got nitrogen Because it's lighter than air, right? Nike (laughs) Nike only has air. says it all over the shoe. These have nitrogen. There you go. You got you got nitrogen in your in your tires over here. You got a carbon fiber plate for your hood, and and you've got some nice foam cushion seats. So they just took the car, slid it in the shoe, and uh, you've got some color selections uh, that are that are associated with the colors that you would see in a McLaren. So they're very um, like there's almost a, a unique gradient and and feel to them that has that. Like when you look at a McLaren and you look at it, you've got it looks like it's like nine different colors at the same time. And so if you see the shoes, that's what uh, Ooh, that's what it looks like. Nice. Do we have a picture um, of the shoes? Do we have a picture of the shoes to put up? Oh, uh, no picture someone, of the shoes. Someone get a picture of the shoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think they're I think they're cool looking. I, you know, to to have McLaren on your shoe for four hundred and fifty bucks. I mean, I know that there's going to be some people that are in for that. Uh, but I, I do think that that the that the cool thing that we're seeing is we're seeing brands cross verticals, um, which just makes your brand more sticky. And we're seeing more brands do this uh, now than ever before. I mean, I, I actually think of like um, the Ferrari Pumas as like a very early adopter of this. Oh, like yeah. Our brand going to a shoe. Right. Um, so this is just I feel like wearing the Ferrari Pumas. That. There's like a requisite gold chain that goes with that outfit. 
and joggers. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a jumpsuit, a gold chain that goes along with the Ferrari shoes, I think. I think. Yes. Exactly. But these these McLarens, there's gonna be they're gonna be a limited edition. Um, so you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people will buy them, hold them, buy them to flip them. And if you're a real baller, you probably buy them to wear them while you're driving your McLaren, which will all give you daps if we see you. But look, we think that keeping your brand fresh and somewhat accessible. Even though most of the people listening to the show or even seeing the sneakers or buying the sneakers won't be able to afford or drive a McLaren, there's something that just builds the brand of McLaren and builds the exclusivity and elevates the aura. There they are. Look at those things. There they are. They're pretty hot, Oof. actually. They look they pretty are. cool. They, I mean, not. I, I don't like green ones with the gray sole. Like I, you know what? That's you, you could go that's that way. Pretty legit. I think my wife would like that. That <laughs> that earthy kind of what, what color would you call that? It's earthy pink. It's like a salmon. Earthy <laughs> salmon. Earthy salmon. Uh, but, but doing things around your brand, right? We've talked about, like, oh, maybe Porsche would make headphones or, you know, that what it does is actually elevates the exclusivity of your brand and just the perception. Because even for the people that can't buy it, they can still be fans of it. They can still increase the equity of your brand to make it exclusive because nobody wants something that nobody else wants. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Nobody wants something nobody else go. wants. Well, we That's right. very much want you to be a part of this community still and get your friends in here too because this is a community where you can find that confidence, find that forward motion, and find, most importantly, each other. Mm-hmm.